Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So if you've ever seen the movie Up, which is a Disney movie, there is a dog by the name of Doug. And Doug has a special collar attached to him that allows him to speak English whenever he has thoughts. And so Doug communicates with speech. And every once in a while, while he's in the middle of talking, he'll stop and look away and go, squirrel, because he's distracted by squirrels, as most dogs are. Now, today's episode has to do with this. This has to do with people who are squirrely, people who don't really directly communicate and want you to be distracted by squirrels. They don't want you to ask them questions and they don't want to have to answer anything directly. And so it has to do with avoidance, people who avoid. Now, you might notice avoidance in body language. You might notice when you're talking to somebody and they have really poor eye contact or they're looking behind you somewhere or they're not quite meeting your gaze or sometimes they might have strange eye contact. I remember this salesman came to my door one day and his eyes were constantly moving back and forth in this really rapid, weird way without ever actually meeting my gaze and stopping and making eye contact. And I just thought that was really strange. Now I understand it a little bit more now that I understand trauma, but it was super weird at the time. And people will do the squirrely thing with their body language. They will do it by not quite facing you, by being a little off center, by crossing their arms, by even turning their body away when you are trying to ask them a question about something. They've found a way to physically evade your questioning or your desire to have a conversation about a serious topic. And I've described this before. I've talked about working with juvenile offenders and when kids would get arrested for crimes, they would describe it like this. The guy said I robbed him. The guy said he saw me trespassing, right? So it would always be about what somebody said instead of saying like, I didn't do this and somebody accused me of it and it's wrong. They wouldn't actually say that they didn't do it. They would say somebody said they did it. So they weren't actually admitting any kind of guilt. Now you might notice this when you're talking to people. You might notice people getting squirrely around certain topics. For example, if you've ever met a couple who has dated for a number of years, almost everybody will ask the question, well, geez, you guys have been dating so long, when are you going to get married? And some people will 
blatantly say, you know what, we both don't believe in marriage. And so we've decided we're just going to stay together as long as we want to. And that's answering the question. That is directly handling the topic. But then you get these people where you ask the question, you say, okay, so you guys have been dating for roughly eight years now. When are you going to get married? And then it becomes something. And, and then the answer, and then the answer is like, <laughs> oh, who, who knows? Well, actually, you know when you're going to get married or that you're not going to get married, but it's a squirrely way of never actually committing to any sort of response. And so this pops up quite a bit. You'll be able to see this in everyday conversations with lots of different people. I see this a lot in people who are coming to see me and they happen to be single and usually they're young and they're out there on the dating scene and they will be dating somebody and just unclear about what the person wants and they never quite know and then it it gets sort of turned around into being oh he's so mysterious and maybe he doesn't know what he wants or maybe he's been hurt so bad that he's afraid and i'm the one who's going to turn that around and the answer is well probably not probably there's a reason that this person that you're dating is squirrely they are living in the gray area they don't want to commit to what they want or whether or not they want you. They are there for a reason, being squirrely for a reason. That is the intention. The intention is to not commit one way or another or explain what they want or explain what they're looking for. In the dating world, this sort of plays out in terms of mixed messages that a person will tell you, I've had such a wonderful time. It was so great getting to know you. You seem like such a great person. And then they won't call. But then it doesn't end there. Then a month later or two months later, they call and say, oh, or text as the case may be. They call and say, oh, I got so busy, but I really think that you're a great person and I really need somebody like you in my life. And so let's get together. And then the person will get together with them. And then there will be a bunch of texting that goes back and forth. And then the person will kind of drop off. And so the texting is still occurring, but it's less. And then all of a sudden the person wants to get together again. And so person dating this type of person never quite gets a real message that the messages are completely mixed, that sometimes they're on and sometimes they're off. Sometimes they're hot, sometimes they're cold. And it's really hard to get a feel for whether that person is actually interested or not, because they never really commit to being out and they never really commit to being in. And so a lot of times we try to fill in the gaps. 
we try to speculate about what could be going on for that person and trying to figure out if it's because they're busy or interested in someone else or they really, really like you and they just have some emotional baggage that they're dealing with. And we always end up trying to fill in the gaps. But the answer is, is that most likely that person is being squirrely on purpose. Now, there's a type of squirrely that I encounter in doing therapy. And it's not something that I see right away. It's something that I see later. So what will happen is a person will come in and they will tell me an opinion about something that they're very strong on. I, uh, you know, it might be about also a relationship, like I'm dating this person. I don't really think that we're connecting. It seems like we have nothing in common. I don't know. I'm just kind of going through the motions and I don't see this going anywhere. And then we'll kind of continue to do therapy for months and eventually this relationship that at the beginning of therapy was going nowhere is suddenly more serious. Now, do I think I've done some sort of intervention that has helped the person along to where they've come to realize that, you know, they were afraid of commitment or the issue was with them and now they're clear about things? No, not at all. It is more like the person got sort of stuck in a relationship and then it's becoming clear that it's not going to be easy to disentangle themselves from said relationship and then all of a sudden the narrative will change in therapy and then they will come in and they'll be telling me how wonderful the person is and how they're really happy that they committed and yada, yada, yada. And usually I'll be confused because I recall what was said about the person before and I'll say something like, I don't really understand what changed. You thought this was a doomed relationship before and then they won't even acknowledge that conversation. They'll say something like, no, I say that that's not exactly what I meant and then it will get weird and squirrely and they will try to either evade or somehow try to convince me that I'm the person who's wrong and I had the communication wrong at the beginning of therapy now the person's usually not in therapy because of the relationship it's usually one of these sort of side conversations that we're having dealing with something else so the person thinks that they can be squirrely and thinks that they can get away with that with me, but I don't forget these things. And I notice when I feel like something is off. See, this is the thing about doing therapy for so many years that you have to think less and less about thoughts or feelings. You don't question yourself anymore. Being a therapist, you become, you almost get like a sixth sense of things and that all of a sudden you'll get that funny feeling on the back of your neck when something is off. And usually I know what it is. 
and usually the person tries to be squirrely about it and they don't convince me that we didn't already have the conversation about how they didn't like this person that much so that's pretty funny that they would try to change the narrative to somebody who's clearly paying attention to the narrative of their life in general but it does happen all the time now where the squirrely behavior can throw me off is with people who have a history of alcohol or drug abuse and they came to see me at the beginning stages of sobriety because a lot of stuff will change between when somebody is just sort of coming off of substances and when they've been off substances for a long time and so their opinions change as their mind sort of clears up and you know they begin to see things more clearly in their life and sort of where they should be going and what makes the most sense and that kind of thing and what ends up happening is when i get a squirrely story in the beginning with these folks and then i get a different story later i end up wondering where this is coming from and what i don't know is whether they just simply don't remember what they told me the first time because they were kind of still half in the bag when they were coming to see me or there's actually some sort of brain damage from long-term use of drugs or alcohol or if they're just a squirrely person by nature and that by the way is also a very good possibility because the use of alcohol and drugs as a coping skill is for people who avoid and people who have a significant amount of drug or alcohol use have basically made the choice to not participate in entire years of their lives and to be sort of absent while their body is still there and so some of that gets a little muddied we don't know what is necessarily squirrely avoidant behavior and what is just sort of things change when your brain gets more clear now when people are caught red-handed and they are accused of something someone confronts them about their behaviors there are some people some types of people who uh, get squirrely because there is no way to defend themselves because the behavior is so abhorrent so there is an amazing documentary called searching for angela shelton so this documentary came out in 2004 basically angela shelton was a writer in hollywood and there was a time where there was a writer strike and nobody was finding work nobody was working and so people had to sort of go on their own and figure it out and figure out what they could write about and so she was one of these people and her name was angela shelton and she just thought to herself well gee maybe i should just sort of look up 
all the other people in the US who have the same name as I do. And so then she got herself an RV and decided to travel around the country meeting all of these other women who are also named Angela Shelton. And so some people agreed to meet on camera and talk about their stories. Other women would not be seen on camera. They would only communicate via phone, but they gave her permission to record the phone calls. And so what ended up happening is it ended up being a journey for Angela Shelton. And one of the first things that she recognizes in the film is that a lot of other women with the same name have been sexually abused or raped or abused in general in some way, that she saw a pattern here in all of these women. And so this led her on a journey that basically culminated in her going back to her father and confronting her father about the sexual abuse that she endured and the sexual abuse that her sister endured. And the and her and her sister talk to each other about this and then she has to confront her father about what he did. Now, what's interesting about her confrontation of him is just how good he is at being squirrely. And he's really convincing. He doesn't look like, you know, they, they actually do cover up his face in the, in the film, but he doesn't look like a villain. He is a well-dressed man. I believe he's wearing khakis and a button-down polo shirt, long sleeves. And he is very poised and methodical about how he answers. His tone is very kind. You would think that she's talking to a normal guy being interviewed like a grandpa or something. And the way it goes down is so strange. He doesn't recall. He swears. He would never do that. That's horrible. I don't treat women that way, you know, and then he sort of spins the story into convoluted analogy of Halley's Comet and something about people gossiping and basically in a nutshell he drags it on to be something about the way people talk, the way they gossip, the way time goes by and strange things get spun that didn't really happen. And through people talking and over time, his innocence gets turned into something horrible that never happened. He's not defensive. He is just so 
good at being squirrely and it is intense and i would say a, a very difficult film to watch if you have ever been through something like this because the details of what he did are horrific and i'm shaken by it i haven't seen the film in years and i just sort of went back to observe again his squirrely behavior and i'm again rattled by what she went through and what her siblings went through with this guy and yet at the same time if you saw him on the street you would never think that this guy is such pure evil and he was pure evil and so it's really interesting how some people can create this squirrely behavior and squirrely conversation and convince everybody that everything's fine, everything's normal, we're not talking about anything bad here, I never did anything bad here, you know, you have to check your information. And he's sitting there talking to her she had been through it herself and he is just really good at spinning things in a way that would make her sort of question herself but she doesn't question herself because she's smarter than that and she's been on this journey but boy from an outsider's perspective he is convincing and so in the very least People who are good at being squirrely can sort of get away with changing topics or avoiding subjects or avoiding confrontation. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have this. We have people who are just purely evil, horrible people who have gotten so good at this that they can convince people that it never happened. So maybe you know somebody in your life who is this way, who when you ask them a question, they are able to sort of evade or change the subject. Or in some cases, some people are just silent. They just won't speak and hope you don't notice that they're not speaking. But I think you know when someone is avoiding and somebody is avoiding a topic that you find important to discuss. And I would say, don't second guess yourself. Try to hold them accountable. Try to get what you need from them. You know, if you have a sense that something is off or a sense like something is being avoided, then by all means, make the other person uncomfortable until you get some sort of answer. Or that answer might be as simple as, this is a squirrely person who likes to hang out in the gray areas and never quite commit to any sort of point of view or answering direct questions. And that is your answer. And then you have to ask yourself if you need people like this in your life, or if this is good for you to have people like this in your life because a lot of times it's not, because this is another way that other people can make us feel crazy for getting upset and asking more questions, when in fact it's their total evasion 
of the questions or the conversations that actually is upsetting as it should be. And so how this helps you in your life is this, that you have a sense of when somebody is avoiding and when somebody is willing to discuss things with you. And if a person is like this all the time, this is probably not a person that you do want to have a significant relationship with at all, whether we're talking about a friendship or a romantic relationship or even a boss employee relationship, because these people are dishonest. And in order to live an authentic and honest and truthful life, you have to surround yourself with people who are authentic and honest and truthful as well. And so I hope that you consider this as you move forward and you work through your relationships with other people and figure out who the people are in your life who you should hang on to and the people in your life who you should keep at arm's distance. Be well, and thank you for listening.